Hello and welcome to church this morning. Uh, this morning we can't meet in uh, Penrith Baptist Church, so I thought I'd bring you to Salisbury Cathedral in the UK. It's, uh, it's actually a place I've been. I've been to this cathedral. Um, this morning we're going to be talking and thinking about prayer. Uh, prayer is a significant part of uh, the life of uh, any believer. Uh, and I think, particularly this time right now, um, it, it's even more significant as we um, find that we can't meet and we can't go out and we can't relate with one another. The one thing that really has never been prevented is our, our coming and meeting and relating with God, our Father. And that is done through the, the means by which we, we come to him um, through Jesus Christ. And through the Holy Spirit, we are given access in prayer to our Father in heaven. Um, when you think about places where you might, prayer might come easy, you may think about something like this cathedral here or some sort of place where for centuries people have uh, gone to pray. But let me reassure you that uh, it's not always just places like this. Uh, I think of uh, Susanna uh, Wesley, uh, John Wesley's mother, who uh, as a mother of uh, 10 children was very busy, of course, but the, the children knew that if mum was in the kitchen with the apron over her head, she was praying to God and he would not to, to interrupt her. So one of the things we're going to be doing today is, uh, is focusing on prayer. We've got different people um, who are going to be uh, leading us in that, in that thinking. And But let me encourage you during this time um, uh, to think about your spiritual disciplines. Um, there's a, a very good book uh, by Richard Foster, uh, which uh, is a celebration of discipline. And he talks about 12 meditation, prayer, fasting and study. There's the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines of simplicity, solitude, submission and service, and the outward, uh, the corporate uh, disciplines of confession, worship, guidance, <coughs> celebration. Perhaps anything I'd like to add there amongst those wonderful disciplines is that of generosity. I think we are called to, to practice the discipline of generosity. And disciplines shape our thinking, our minds and our lives to what we want to hold as important. And all these disciplines uh, focuses on the love of God, the love of people, and we at Penrith Baptists have a mission. We love God, love people, and we want to make disciples who follow, learn from, and obey Jesus. And so this morning, as uh, various people share, um, uh, thanks to all those who have brought it together, but let me encourage you to focus your, your, your heart and your mind. Um, take this opportunity to experiment in new in different ways to pray. You know, please do not be confined to, to one way, uh, but explore different ways. Uh, if we're not praying in this moment in time, um, I don't know what would cause us to pray then. So let me uh, pray and uh, commence our time together. I want to thank you, Father, that we can be here today. We thank you for the way that you have so ordained us to to need each other. We do need to gather. And right now, this is the best opportunity we have. 
but we want to be disciples of Jesus. We want to we want to follow Him. We want to learn from Him. We want to learn to obey Him. And Lord, as we spend this time together, I pray that you would give us opportunity to reflect upon our own prayer life and to develop develop it in, in new ways, perhaps, that we might find a deeper intimacy with you, that, that no lockdown could ever prevent, that we could, uh, we could uh, come to you in, in new and uh, dynamic ways in prayer. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hello, Church. I'd like to talk to you about one aspect of prayer, and I'd like to begin by reading a verse out of James. James chapter 5 and verse 16. It says this, Therefore, confess your sins to each other, and pray for each other, so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. I'd like to focus for a few minutes on one word in that um, verse, confess. It's a word that isn't all that popular with me or with other people in our society. And yet it's there and it's an important word. It's an important word because I think we overlook it. Many of you who would be familiar with a, a structure associated with, with praying that goes like this, Acts, where each of the letters represents a word. And I'm sure that some of you will know those words before I show you them now. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. They're four words. And you know what, for me, I enjoy adoring God and expressing adoration. I like to be thankful, and I certainly uphold many people in prayer through supplication. And yet out of those four words, confession is, is one that I feel that I, and I think perhaps our society these days, overlooks. And partly... Perhaps we overlook it because we don't realise some things. And yet, if we think we don't have sin in our lives that needs confessing, we're deceiving ourselves. Let's read another few verses from 1 John, chapter 1, verses 8, 9 and 10. This is what it says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful, he, God, is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I think sometimes we don't confess some things because we don't realise. We've just become desensitised to sin. Take a few moments to reflect with me. There are things in our society that are just accepted today that wouldn't have been accepted 20 or 30 years ago. 
and are some of those things the sort of things that God would be pleased about? So we're thinking about, and then for our own lives, are there things in my life that I just accept or that I don't even realise or think hurt God and I just go about thinking that that's normal? Well, part of, I think, something that helps us in confession is to be aware of sin. And I think that um, Psalm 139, towards the end, in verses 23 and 24, it can help us here. It's, it's something perhaps we should pray each day. This is what it says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Good thing to pray, isn't it? See if there's any offensive way in me, God, and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, none of us are going to confess without a level of humility. I, again, feel that this is an area in our society that's uh, lacking humility. And, you know, even as, as I look in the last week at some of the um, words of politicians, uh, journalists who are asking the Prime Minister to say, now, are you sorry about this? Are you sorry? They wanted that sort of answer. And he avoided it for a while. Eventually, yes, he said, I'm sorry. But there's a reluctance to to say sorry. Why? Because in our society, we're just ready to jump on someone and trample all over them if they say they're sorry and blame them for this and blame them for that. And I think that's bred a reluctance, not just in our politicians, but in us to say we're sorry. But I wonder when we come to God, are we reluctant there too to say, I'm sorry, God. I think King David gives us a, a good example of recognising sin and then coming humbly before God to confess it. It's contained in Psalm 51 and it is worth reading the whole psalm. I'm just going to read the first couple of verses because it would be hard in this um, video recording for you to remember all of it. Listen to the first few verses as he comes humbly before God. And he says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from sin. He recognised his sin, he was humble and confessed it. He asked God to wash him clean, whiter than snow, it says later on in the psalm. And so he was doing what we read in 1 John about confessing his sins and recognising that God is faithful and just to forgive sins. And let me conclude with just 
a paragraph out of a book I'm reading at the moment by Philip Yancey on prayer. It's a paragraph where he recognises um, his sin. I've just got to go back to the right page, sorry. He recognises his sin. He's talking about this. And he says, Consider again the act of repentance. Confessing my sins before God communicates something God already knows. Yet somehow the act of confession binds the relationship and allows a closeness that could not be achieved otherwise. I make myself vulnerable and dependent, bringing God and me together. The same kind of intimacy happens when, all too rarely, I apologise to my wife for something we both know about. I do not bring her information. I bring her my heart, my humble self. I think we can all learn from that. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everyone. It is a real privilege to have a few minutes to speak about prayer, in particular with reference to Hebrews 4.16. To put it into some context, um, I'll read verses 14 to 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. As I look at this passage, I realise that we are invited to come boldly. Boldly. A word that we associate these days with daring or overconfidence. But in this context, it means that we are coming trusting assured that we will be welcomed and received. And we come to the throne, the seat of ultimate power and authority. And the one seated there is our God, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator God, And yet he is described here as our gracious God, the one whom Jesus invited us to call Father. This week in our reading program, we read in Luke 15 of God's joy when we come to him. And yet so often we are reluctant to come. And I've been wondering what keeps us from coming to our God. I know for me over the years it has often been a mix of shame that I keep failing and pride. I don't really want to fully accept that I have nothing to offer towards my own salvation. But this passage tells me that Jesus has passed every test that I have failed that he has offered the only true and perfect sacrifice 
And because of that, we are invited and welcomed into the presence of our gracious Father and assured that we will receive mercy and grace. Yet it remains difficult to pray. I find when it is difficult to pray that I turn to the Lord's Prayer, sitting with each phrase and asking the Holy Spirit to guide my thinking. I've also found at times that my greatest joy in prayer has come when it has been hard to pray, when I have waited and even wept in frustration, shame and weakness. And it has been there at my lowest ebb that God has found me and reminded me that he is my father and that not only does he love me, but he finds joy in my company. So let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for our great High Priest, Jesus. We thank you that he understands our weakness and that he himself has become the once for all sacrifice, the one way to a restored relationship with you. Teach us to come to you confident that we will be welcomed at your throne and that you will give us your grace and mercy when we need it the most. Amen. I'd like to read and briefly talk about a passage that I find encouraging in Philippians. And it's Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. And in fact, the bit that I'll read includes the last bit of verse 5. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We live in anxious times, and in my work as a teacher, I see a lot of anxiety in young people. Depending on which statistics you look at, about 25% of young people in the country have some form of anxiety. The moment that we find ourselves in right now with enforced isolation is touching all of us with this um, very human tendency. So our circumstances are making us all susceptible to anxious thoughts. Prayer offers a glorious alternative to the thoughts of the anxious mind. And it's an alternative that's grounded in gospel truth. The Lord is at hand, or the Lord is near, begins this short text on prayer. And what Paul's saying is that Jesus is coming back. Imagine if we actually lived our lives as if we believed that Jesus was coming back soon. We do believe it, and we say it. But if we actually lived our lives as if we believed it, then every petty little everyday thing that occupies our anxious thoughts would be exposed for the rubbish 
that Paul calls them in the previous chapter, compared with the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. When we know Christ, when we know Jesus by reading his word and by spending time in prayer, God changes our mind. This command to pray is so compelling because it comes with a promise. Instead of anxious worries, Paul says in the following verse, in verse 7, that the peace of God will guard our hearts, that is our desires, and our minds, that is our thoughts. This peace of God is not a vague, warm, fuzzy feeling or some ill-defined concept of well-being. This peace of God here is the peace which comes from knowing that our old self has been put to death on the cross in the person of Jesus and has been raised to new life with him. Prayer, the knowledge that we can come directly into the presence of God, not as a harsh judge, but as a loving father who longs to hear our requests, this is one of the greatest freedoms that we have in Christ. We are reminded to pray to express our thanks to the God who loved us and sent his son to die for us so that we could be in relationship with him. And we're promised that the constant thankful practice of prayer will guard our hearts and minds. By bringing to God our requests and our thanks, we remind ourselves daily of the glorious King that we serve, Jesus, in whom we have true peace, peace with God, Jesus, who is coming back soon. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we, we want to come into your presence because you are our Father. We want to praise you and thank you for what you have done. You have spared absolutely nothing to bring us into a right relationship with you. We ask, Lord, that by the power and the working of your Holy Spirit, that you, as you promised to do, would change our minds, would take away our anxious thoughts and fill us with the knowledge of our Saviour and King, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So let me encourage you to think in the new ways that you can, can pray. Uh, there's plenty of uh, different ways. Uh, and today you would have heard of acts, uh, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and uh, supplication. Let me give you one way that's been really helpful for me. But first, remember, for whatever you do, um, three words, Bible before phone. Uh, three simple words that will change life. Bible before phone. Um, I know you get to the Bible then because we can't really do without our phone. Bible before th- phone and think about this. The Hour That Changed the World is a book by uh, Dick Eastman who it's been a powerful book for me. In the first five minutes of, of prayer, he talks about praise and divine oration. The second one is about waiting or soul surrender. The third talks about confession or de- or just recognising our sins, declared admission. The fourth one is scripture praying, uh, faith building. The fifth one is watching or or mental awareness, looking for where Satan might trip you up if if this is your prayer. 
The sixth one is intercession, earnest appeal, praying for people in our world. The seventh is petition, a personal request, um, praying God, uh, God for your needs, your daily bread. The eighth is thanksgiving, express uh, appreciation, so important. The ninth is uh, singing, songs of worship. Um, and if you don't like singing or you're not, to, to maybe do a psalm in that section. Number 10 is meditation. Ponder the, the reading that you've uh, read and, and, and explore it further. 11th is listening or hearing his, his voice, bringing God uh, an issue or a difficulty you've had and that you want uh, to work through with him. This 12th is praise or divine magnification. He talks about ending uh, the time with praise of God and giving a, a strong amen. I'm going to make this sheet available to everyone. So let me encourage you just to think into new ways of praying and, uh, and, and mix it up a bit. And some days maybe follow one pattern and next go another. It's, it's, a, it's a way that we are meant to, to express our, ourselves before God and come before him in a really special way. Good morning. We've been listening to some wonderful insights on prayer and scripture and some ways to help us when we pray or find it difficult to pray. I'd like to, sh to share a couple more with you. Um, one of them is the acronym PRAY, P-R-A-Y. P for praise. We enter his gates with praise and thanksgiving, as it says in the scriptures. R is for repentance. Ask God to search your heart and show you what you need to repent for. And then A, we ask. We put our supplications before the Lord, the things that we need, the things we ask for other people. And we do this in Jesus' name. And then Y is for yield. Sometimes when we pray, we pray, and then we get up and we go about our busy day. And sometimes we need to realize that a, a prayer is also a conversation. It's a, a two-way street. So when you yield, you yield time to God and let him speak to you. Very simple, P-R-A-Y for pray. The other one I'd like to share is, it's not an acronym, but it's five letters. It's J-E-S-U-S, -S, Jesus. When you're feeling lonely, when you feel abandoned, when you feel stressed, just getting the best of you, or the storms of life are, are just too much to bear, and you can't think of what to pray, just call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, that wonderful name. Jesus, the most beautiful name above all names. He knows what you need. All you need to do is cry out to Jesus. And don't be surprised when you cry out to Jesus. If you hear him say, I'm right here, my child. I've been here all the time waiting for you to call on me. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your mercy, the favor you show upon us. And we thank you for your son that you sacrificed that we might be made free, Lord. We thank you for the wonderful name of Jesus. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless and good day.